Hey guys, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Saint Etizer, the hand sanitizer for the saints. If you've been in church for any period of time, you can identify with that disturbing feeling when your worship leader encourages you to greet a few people during the worship service. You nervously think about making your way to the bathroom, but you're trapped. Now you have to navigate your way through fake smiles and worse, clammy handshakes. What's on those hands? What have you been doing? Strangling a seal that survived an oil spill off the Gulf Coast? Fret no more, people of God. Saintitizer has you covered. Saintitizer clips subtly onto your belt or can fit neatly in your purse. Not only will this powerful sanitizer destroy 99.9% of bacteria, but also unclean spirits that may have been transferred to you through those greasy greetings. Stop wallowing in the filth of forced fellowship and equip yourself with Saintitizer today. Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. What is up, worshipers? Worship Wednesday back in action again, and uh back and excited to be back because I've got a killer episode for you guys today. Um, All my worship leaders, worship uh, music directors, instrumentalists, singers, sound men, whoever's listening, people that are just flies on the wall that came in to get some on Worship Wednesday. You're going to be happy you came today because I got some good stuff. Got the steak. We got the Flet Mignon today. The Adas. Not the six Oz, the eight Oz Follett Mignon. It's on the menu. Get ready for it. As you saw from the title, three devastating worship mistakes I made to avoid. These are mistakes that you need to avoid. I made them early on. And for those of you that know me, you'll know that I've been leading praise and worship for what now? Man, it's got to be 18 years, maybe more. 18, 19 years, coming up on 20? I can't believe it. I'm old, getting older. No, I'm young. I feel young, (sighs) and I'm young. But no, literally, after almost two decades, yeah, no, no, listen, that is right. Now that I'm thinking of it, I started leading praise and worship for the first time when I was 16 years old. I'm 36 this year. It's been 20 years. I can't believe that. I just discovered this fact right now with you on the podcast. We've shared this wonderful moment together. So thank you for being here for it, every one of you that are. Okay, listen, after 20 years, two decades of of doing this in every kind of uh, format that you can imagine, literally, when I say every kind of format... I do mean every format you can think of. I've done praise and worship in youth group settings. That's how I started. I've done praise and worship in church services, obviously. I've done praise and worship in tent meetings, many, many of those. I've done worship services in crusade, mass crusade style meetings. I've done it in smaller outreach meetings, outdoor outreach meetings. I've done it in small group settings, (sighs) in nursing homes. I mean, I've literally, if you can think of it, I've probably done it in the 20 years that I've been doing this. And I want to cover today with you three devastating mistakes that I made at the very beginning when I was starting. And maybe you're listening to this and you'll hear me talk about it. Maybe you're still making these, which is why I'm doing the episode today. I'm believing that by the end of this, you'll see the value in not doing these things and work hard to make a change uh, in order to increase the gift that God's placed in your life. And, um, And I'm thankful for the gift that God's put on your life. That's why I've been doing these Worship Wednesday podcast episodes, and we added that to the schedule because 
as of last year, as I heard the Holy Spirit say that it's time to raise up a new generation of praisers and worshipers, and I'm just going to do everything that I can with what God's given me to equip you and to strengthen you any way that I can. And if there's any way you can get any impartation and you can take any value out of these episodes, I pray that you do and that you're encouraged to go to the next level. Because as you know, and I've taught on this podcast before, God has a desire and a plan for every one of us to continually increase in our gifts and our talents, um, you know, literally every single week. So when God puts a gift in your life, he expects you to invest it in the kingdom and to increase it. Once again, I'm referencing the parable in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Go back and read it when you have time. But that's why we're doing these. And of course, you know that we also provide a free worship conference for you guys to attend to even get more content into your spirit and to be into a be in a time of anointed praise and worship called Southeast Worship Summit. And if you haven't gotten a chance yet to register for this upcoming summit, you want to do that as soon as possible. You can do it at southeastworship.com. And it's going to take place May the 7th through the 10th of 2019 in sunny South Florida. And you're going to want to be there for it. It's going to be phenomenal. So do that and uh, make plans to join us. But I wanted to get into these because I was thinking back on when I first started. And man, I, uh, I, I'll i tell you some stories from, from, being at, from the beginning. Because I, if you don't know how I started... I literally had, you know, it's not like I was trying to learn the piano or the keyboard or anything like that. I was, I have a friend by the name of Chris Vance, who is a phenomenal worship leader. He's a phenomenal singer, one of the best I've ever heard. So anointed, so talented, and uh, plays the keyboard phenomenally. He's the one that taught me how to play the keyboard initially. And when my parents were out of town and I was in high school, my parents were still carrying a full-time traveling schedule uh, as evangelists, but I was in public school at that point. And so I would stay home and they would have somebody like uh, Chris Vance stay at the house with me and kind of watch me so that I wasn't by myself, you know, wreaking havoc on the entire world, if you know me. Um, And Chris, who was at the time the, uh, the praise and worship leader of our home church, Calvary Temple in West Virginia, he brought his keyboard to the house, uh, one of my favorite keyboards of that era, the Nord N364. No, excuse me, not the Nord, the Korg N364. Um, it was just an amazing keyboard at the time. It was it was phenomenal synthesizer. Anyway, my dad has a favorite song, a theme song, if you will, and it's the song he sings in almost all of his meetings called um, Oh, It Is Jesus by Andre Crouch. And, you know, without fail, he, he sings it in almost every meeting that he's in. And uh, because Chris was at the house staying with me, I was like, you know, and by the way, at this time I had zero keyboard experience, zero piano experience. And I said, hey, Chris, teach me that song, Oh, It Is Jesus. I want to, you know, when my dad gets home from this meeting, I want to show him like I learned his song, you know, on the keyboard. And uh, Chris was very patient and and taught me the chords to how to play that song. And I learned it. And literally from that moment on, I I never stopped (laughs) retaining knowledge. And of course, this was after, uh, if you've read my book, Unhang Your Harp, this was after Brother Shambach laid hands on me and prophesied that I would receive that gift. But after that, I just never stopped retaining knowledge, never stopped developing. And it went from that one song, and I just kept on learning and learning and learning by the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, And it went on till the point that my youth pastor said, you know, we really need a worship team in the youth group. You know, normally what we do on Wednesday nights when we had youth group is that everybody would just stay downstairs in the main service until praise and worship was over. And then we would go up to the youth room and have our youth service. But our youth pastor, Pastor Donnie Wagner, said that, you know, he felt we needed to have our own worship team for the youth group. And so he asked me, he said, you know, why don't you, you know, put together a youth band 
and start leading worship. I literally, I, I had just begun. And when I say just begun, I'm talking, I was so green. I was so green. I mean, I was so new to this. I knew nothing, knew nothing about leading a band, knew nothing about doing public performance or praise and worship or anything. I'd never done anything like that. And it was literally by the grace of God that we started this worship team. And uh, we had myself on the keyboards and vocals, a guy named Adam Gripper on the electric guitar, a guy named Bill Beveridge on the bass guitar, and a guy named Mike Turner on the drums. And we went at it and learned songs and, and, and did our thing. But I learned some things early on. And I mean, that's how I started at 16 years old. And literally, I like, I didn't know any songs. Like literally, we would hold these meetings, right? Where um, our youth group would, would like put up a tent in little towns in West Virginia. Um, you know, I, and I can remember, it was so funny. This literally happened to me. I was sitting, I was, we were doing the praise and worship um, for this tent meeting in this small coal mining town of, of, of West Virginia. And, uh, I had led with my team, like the first two nights, keep in mind, I just started and I knew, <laughs> I only knew like, you know, four to six songs total or something like that. And this guy comes out of the crowd to me and, and, uh, before the service starts on like the third night and he goes, Hey, Hey brother. I was like, Hey, what's going on? He was like, you leading again tonight? I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, we got the team ready to go. And he, no lie, he goes, you going to be singing them same four songs again? <laughs> I was like, oh, geez. Like everything you're hoping people don't think about you, he literally said to me. And with the most, you know, there was more, I mean, his voice was dripping with disdain for my, you know, extremely inadequate praise and worship leading abilities. And I was, you know, I was just like, yep, we're going to be doing those four same songs again. So get ready. It was like, you know, I didn't know anything else. There was nothing else that I knew. And um, one of the things that I learned quickly, and I'm sure it helped growing up in Pentecostal church, but one of the things that I learned very quickly, and this is mistake number one, devastating worship mistake number one, was that I learned songs Instead of training my ear initially, I learned songs instead of training my ear. Let me break that down, what I'm actually talking about. And this severely limited, by the way, what I could do in live worship services and worship settings. Because here's the, here's what happens. And I'm sure you've seen someone like this, or maybe you've been like this in the past. You, If you just learn songs, and the problem with just learning songs is many times... People are like relegated to only being able to play what's on the chord chart in front of them. I mean, literally, I, I was, I, I can remember being like the number one player uh, in like the, the worship, even like I can remember being in Bible school at Rainbow Bible Church, you know, huge church, but it was, and, and maybe all churches do this. I'm, you know, I, I don't know how most churches function. But literally, even at that level, chord charts for every service in a book that was in front of you. Now, let me just say, this was extreme. To me, this was so different than, I, than what I was used to growing up. Because growing up in like Pentecostal church, you just go at it. Like, you know, you start the service and you just start playing and you go through the song service. It's not like, you know, there's not like breaks in between where you switch out chord charts. And I mean, it's like, we just play, you know, the Holy Spirit comes, we do our thing. So when I got to Rhema Bible Church and I was there and it was like every single song and I'm happy that it taught me structure, but like, you know, the music director would be like, all right, tonight we're doing pages 69, page 181, page 313 you know, and page 284. And so you'd go through your book and mark those pages out for that service. Um, and that's what you'd be playing for that service. And those chord charts would be in front of you for each service, which I'm, you know, I have no problem with chord charts, 
But watch the point that I'm making here because this is what severely limited me. I'm not saying you shouldn't have chord charts or be organized. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making was I learned songs instead of training my ear. So what ends up happening is you can you can get to the place where you, you're so dependent on the chord chart that if you don't have it, you don't know where to go or what to do next. Like if there's not a sheet telling you what chord to play next or what changes to make, you're not sure what to do. It's limiting because if the Holy Spirit is flowing, if God wants to do something else, how can I do it if I don't have a chart for it? See, that's the problem. And I was like that early on. I didn't, you know, I didn't train my ear. And so I just couldn't flow when the Holy Spirit wanted to go in a direction. And I knew, or somebody started singing a song or that, you know, I couldn't do it. I would just stop playing and let them sing it a cappella because I just, I wasn't, I wasn't at that place because I hadn't put the work in uh, t- to be there. And that was a mistake for me because if you'll train your ear, you can flow where the Holy Spirit wants you to go next. Maybe the song that the Holy Spirit wants to interject here. Maybe you've done two songs already in your set and you're getting ready to go to the third one, but you feel in your spirit to go to, to, to something else that the Holy Spirit's doing. Well, if you're tied to your charts, you're tied to you know whatever you've got in your set, you know, planning center, you are doomed. You know, if you can't get away from the chord chart that's in front of you, you know, how many, the other thing is this, it's like, if you pull that song out every time, you know, you've got a band that has to pull that song out every single time you play. I mean, how many times do you have to play a song before you don't need the chord chart anymore to play it? Especially the songs today, like all of the worship songs are like four chords or five chords, like all of them almost six chords at the most for most of them. You know, and that speaks to excellence. Put that stuff in your spirit, get it in your heart, get it in your spirit and and let it become a part of you so that you're not dependent. See, because if you're just reading the chart and playing according to the chart, it's very hard to worship while you're following a chart, you know, and, and you can worship while you're worshiping, you know, for the congregation. And so I made the mistake. And so I'm like... Oh man, I had some, I had some like crazy things happening as a result of me not being able to develop myself. Like I remember I was in Kansas city one time and, uh, my friend had a huge youth group, uh, shout out to my friend, pastor John Perkey, um, who pastors Nexus church in Kansas now, but he, he had me into his youth group and he was crushing it as a youth pastor, had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids in his youth group. And he, and he, I think he had found out, you know, that I just started playing keyboards or he, he found out that I played or whatever. So he was like, yeah, when I'm ministering tonight, you know, jump up on the keys and, and and let's, let's do a little worship, you know, before I I move on. So what I didn't tell him was that I wasn't that developed as a player yet. And he, I didn't know what he was going to do. We had no previous plans set up. So, you know, I get up on the keyboard and uh, he turns to me, you know, like hundreds of young people worshiping. And he's like, He's like, yeah, man, let's, let's do that song. We exalt thee, you know, and he, he launches into it. You know, he didn't ask me, do you know the song? We exalt thee. He's just like, let's do the song. And then he just launches into, we exalt thee. And, um, so I'm trying to follow him. Like with, I'm like, literally, if you can imagine hundreds of young people sitting out, it's just me on the platform. He's down at the podium. I'm behind the keyboard. And so, you know, obviously as a young person, you know, I don't want to look like I'm a total reject, you know, on the keyboard. So I'm acting like I can't really hear him that well from the platform. you like, so I'm, I'm, I'm acting like I'm not close enough to a monitor to be able to hear what I'm playing. And as a result, you know, I'm not being able to quite connect with him as he's singing, we exalt thee. So literally my pride had gotten so big. <laughs> I still remember this like it was yesterday. I pick up the keyboard, like the stand and the board, and I'm like scooting it closer across the stage to a stage monitor to be like closer because I'm acting like, no, I can't really hear you that well. In all reality, by the way, obviously, I didn't know we exalt thee. So I'm like trying to play the chords and I can't hear it because I didn't develop my ear, so I can't follow him. And I'm trying to drag this keyboard across the stage and you know, the, the, the cords connected to the keyboard are plugged in on the other side of the stage. And so like the cords are tight, like I'm yanking this keyboard across all of a sudden, like the, um, the stand holding 
keep in mind, by the way, this is in like a, an extremely somber, like worship moment in the service. You know, kids are like hands raised, eyes closed. They're singing, we exalt thee. He's singing, we exalt thee. I'm dragging a keyboard across the stage, connected to the stand. And all of a sudden, the stand collapses and the keyboard goes crashing down to the floor and like makes all these like banging keyboard <laughs> noises. Like I banged all of the keys at the same time through the sound system. So it's like, you know, it's like, we exalt the bombs. There's only like it destroyed the whole atmosphere all because I was not developed in my ear, could not follow, could not go where the Holy Spirit was going. And obviously the whole pride thing was another issue that we've dealt with in other podcasts, but the whole thing, it just completely destroyed the atmosphere because if you only learn songs and you're, you're relegated to just doing a song, but when you learn to develop your ear, you can flow with wherever the Holy Spirit is going in that moment. Let me just say it this way. Someone should, if you're, if you're like a worship leader with like an instrument and you sing and play or whatever, Somebody should be able to throw you an instrument in the microphone and say, go, and you should be able to do an anointed 30 minutes at least, at least. So without any preparation, without anything, somebody should just be able to throw you your instrument and a mic, or as I've done many times, just go into the music section at Best Buy, throw a, you know, a Casio keyboard that's already out on display and start banging out praise chords and shouting, I don't hear anybody up in this Best Buy music aisle. So you, should be, you should be able to go for 30 minutes easy with no preparation. It should be in your spirit. You should be able to flow, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, follow the voice of the Spirit, usher the presence of God in the room. But it's hard to do if all you've done is learn songs, but you've not developed your ear to be able to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go. Keep in mind, by the way, that the Holy Spirit has a plan and a purpose for every service. I'll talk about this more in point number three, but he has a plan and a purpose for every service, and your job is to connect with that plan, the purpose, and that flow and stick with it and follow through to what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you and through you in that service. So number one, don't just learn songs Don't just be tied to chord charts. Develop your ear and develop your spirit so that you can flow freely with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The second devastating worship mistake that I made that you should avoid is trying to be a worship leader that I admired a lot. Trying to be or emulate somebody that I thought was really cool or really great or I thought was super anointed. And, you know, basically trying to be them instead of trying, instead of being who God created me to be. And I, you know, here's the thing. I see this happen, you know, in, in almost every generation. So what I'm, what I mean by that is like, for example, if anybody that's listening to my uh, podcast today is old enough to remember this, that, you know, there are trends of worship that go through in, in every generation. There's these, there's these trends of worship. So you know, there was the whole trend in church. If you've been saved long enough and you're old enough to remember, there was this whole thing where people did like these minor key Jewish worship songs. They sounded Jewish. They sounded like, you know, there was like a whole medley of them. You know, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For God is great, bum bum, and greatly to be praised, bum bum. God is great, bum bum, and greatly to be praised. I'm so glad that's over, by the way. So glad that's over. I'm so glad that Charlotte's shofars are having way less sales than they used to in the late 80s. Then the 90s came, and we were introduced to very soulful. It became the mainstream, very soulful. The Clint Browns, the Gary Olivers, the Sion Alfords, the, you know, all these guys that became, they went, they went into the forefront. And so everybody myself included, was trying to be the Gary Oliver, the Clint Brown, the Sion Alford, 
you know, all these, and, and that was like, you know, you wanted that soulful raspy, you know, the, um, I mean, even, even like the whole Brownsville sound that came later with Lyndall Cooley, who my is like phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's pastoring today, phenomenal voice, phenomenal ability, all these guys, but you know, the, the danger becomes you move forward, you know, Hill song became hugely popular. Everybody was shouting to the Lord, et cetera. You had all that going on. So everybody was trying to be Darlene Check, that was a woman. You had people that were trying to be Cindy Cruz, people that were trying to be, um, you know, uh, Mary Alessi. I mean, all, all these different people, um, Martha Munizzi, they were, and then people try to emulate. And today it's the same. It's today it's Bethel worship or elevation worship or, um, you know, all sons and daughters or, you know, whoever is, is, is hip at the moment, people even try to emulate the way their voice sounds and try to sing exactly like they sing and try to emulate their worship movements and how they stand and how they move their arms. Like what kind of, uh, exhortations, no lie. I've been, and you know that I've traveled my whole life. No lie. I have been to churches it, this is how severe this gets. I have been to churches where whoever is doing the songs, um, that leading the worship songs that that like got got them from the CD or whatever. I've been in services where even the people leading the songs in the church service actually say the exact same exhortations that are on the CD to the church, like every time they do the song, if there's like an interlude or something and, and like the, the person on the CD is like, come on and lift your hands and give him all the praise. Like they'll say that every single time so that it's just like the person that's doing it. And it's a mistake. You know, you shouldn't try, obviously. I mean, this happens with preachers too, you know, uh, and, and it just, you know, it's, it's okay to look up to people there, you know, it's okay to have mentors. It's okay to be imparted to, but you're never supposed to try to be somebody else. And I see that so often. It's like people that are around the IHOP, you know, crowd, they feel like you, you can't even truly worship unless you take your shoes and socks off and stand on the stage barefoot. You know, it's like, it's like you know, everybody's trying so hard to be everybody else. And you have to remember, and I dealt with this, actually, we, we may have dealt with this. I think we did deal with this at worship summit. In fact, we dealt with it during the question and answer session. And one of the things that, uh, we talked about was you have to realize by the way, that just because worship songs or worship styles are popular nationwide, uh, for the majority of people it doesn't mean that it's going to work in your particular church. So, you know, if you have to, by the way, this is a side note dealing with, with, with this issue, but you have to be aware of what your church's vision is and what your pastor's vision is and what he is called to say to the body of Christ. So for example, if you, I mean, obviously, we want to sing things that are fully doctrinally correct. That's like what goes without saying. But, you know, if your pastor is very evangelistic in his message and he's doing stuff on souls all the time, you know, and you want to just, I mean, I get down to being this specific about it. And you're always trying to do things on, you know, peace or doing things on healing. Follow what the vision is doing. You know, many people don't know this. A lot of the things that Clint Brown wrote during the 90s that he became so famous for singing were things that he, revelation that he received from Pastor Rod Parsley's teaching and preaching. So he'd get those things and he'd, because he was the praise and worship leader at World Harvest Church in those days, Pastor Parsley would preach things and that revelation would get into uh, Pastor Clint Brown's spirit and he'd begin to write songs based on the revelation of the word that he was hearing. So you have to understand your worship can be tailored to fit the house you're in. And that will be destroyed if you're always just trying to be somebody else that you like a lot or that you're trying to emulate. It's a mistake. 
God didn't doesn't need clones. He that's why he makes individual people and gifts them and and uh, and puts talents in them individually. He needs us all to be who he created us to be. And there's, as I said a moment ago, there's nothing wrong with with looking up to somebody or appreciating the way that they lead worship. But you have to be who God created you to be. Don't try to emulate their sound, their voice, their timbre, any of that. Their their motions, their you know the way they talk, the way they voice their words. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it just it's funny. I was like, well, I, I was looking at um, what's that thing on Instagram that uh, that Christian memes or whatever. It's one of those. Maybe it was Church of Laughs, somebody like that. But it was, it was like, you know that your worship leader has been listening to too much Hillsong if like, you know, he's like a straight up American, middle America dude. He's like, every time he gets to exhorting the church, there's like more and more, there's like an Australian accent coming out in this thing. He's like, come on, church, lift your hands, church. You know, it's like you've you've been you've been listening too long. You've been soaking up. You're trying to become what you're not. Don't be what you're not. You know, it just it does it doesn't work. And then the other the other the other part of it is that this is more on a natural level. But people can spot fake a mile away, and I don't have to tell you how much people appreciate people being genuine. I mean, that is, that's, you know, one of the things that I think is very apropos at this, at this point in the podcast episode is this, you know, you don't have to be the greatest, you don't have to have the greatest technical ability to be effective. You know, let me, let me give you an example. If you're over the age of 30 or at least 25, I'm sure you've heard of the Dave Matthews Band. You know, I was a massive fan of the Dave Matthews Band back in the day. Look at them as an example. Dave Matthews Band, his voice, he is by far not the greatest vocalist that ever walked the face of the earth. In fact, if you ever heard him live, you know, he's so tired from touring that his songs would never sound... He, You know, he's... This, this is how bad he couldn't even remember the words to half of his songs. And I'm sure half that had to do with him being high, but you know, whatever he couldn't even remember the words. I've heard his band, uh, talk in interviews and be like, you know, Dave half the time doesn't even remember the words to the songs he's written. So he'll like make up words on the spot or just like mumble sounds through the live concert shows. And people don't care. People don't care. They pack out, you know, stadiums and arenas and, you know, come camp out at Red Rocks to see him play and perform. I know people that have been to like over 30 or 40 of his concerts. It's like, dude, doesn't have the greatest technical ability. It's not like he's Mariah Carey or Christina Aguilera or, you know, Beyonce Knowles. He doesn't have that kind of a voice, you know, very, very basic, but he's unique. And people respond massively to something that's genuine and something that's unique, you know, and, and, and I'm telling you that because more than ever in church, we need people to stand up and be unique and be who they are. You know, I don't make apologies about the fact that, you know, I just, I do what I feel is is what God anointed me to be. I'm not trying to be somebody else anymore. I used to be trying, you know, early on, that's a mistake I made. But when I realized that, that you know, what a stupid thing that is to do. And like, you know, look look now, like I, I'm not trying to follow every trend in the worship world. If I go lead worship or if I'm doing, if I'm doing worship, I'm not trying to put together, you know, I don't have like a separate section in my closet for my worship outfits. It's like, oh, wait a second. Uh, where's my deep, Carolyn, where's my deep V? Where's my deep V-neck t-shirt from H&M? Where, where are my ripped to shreds, skinny jeans and my tan Chelsea boots? Where's my fedora? Carolyn, what did you do with my fedora? You know, where's my dog tags necklace? 
Where is it? I cannot do today's worship service without my dog tags necklace. It's like, you know, I'm not, where are my child molester looking framed glasses? I'm not, and you don't have to follow the trends. Nothing wrong with being fresh, but be who God created you to be. Don't try to be somebody else because when you try to do that, the anointing is not on it because you're not being who God created you to be, meaning you're not following the leading or voice of the Holy Spirit. Be who God created you to be. And that genuine factor about you, that unique factor about you will be the thing that sets you apart. It's not how much like everybody else you are that makes you valuable. It's how much unlike everybody else you are that makes you valuable. So that's number two. Number one, learning songs instead of training your ear. Number two, trying to be somebody else that you admire rather than being who God created you to be. And then finally, I'll finish by telling you number three, and that is failing to be sensitive to what the spirit is doing in a service. That was the third devastating mistake that I've made when I was when I was a younger man. Failing to be sensitive to what the spirit was doing during a live worship service. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, and and I run into this all the time and I don't mind stopping and directing because I've been there and done that. You know, 20 years, you learn a few things in 20 years of doing something. Been there, done that. And I don't mind stopping in the middle of an altar service or a worship service to instruct the band or singers in a church that I'm in. Because they'll, hopefully, they have good enough spirit. You know, they're not going to be offended. They'll learn and they'll press forward with it. But let me just say this to every person out there that's in the band, that's a worship leader. Altar ministry time is not an opportunity to play your favorite slash latest worship song. I don't know what people think. It's like, you know, we're getting ready to minister people. People are being saved. We're calling people out in the gifts of the Spirit. People are being changed by the power of God. It's not an opportunity for you to just be on the platform with all your instruments and just kind of play whatever comes to your head or your favorite thing, or your what you were listening to last before you came to church that morning. That's not what that time is for. Don't and also don't drone along. You know, sitting there just like pounding one chord, waiting for us to ask you to sing a song. You know, sitting there strumming an A chord for forty-five minutes. Don't drone along, and don't use that time to just play whatever is your favorite or whatever is the latest thing. Let me say this to you. Search for the flow and follow the anointing. <laughs> I remember one time I was I was in the service of the guy, well known, well known preacher. And uh <laughs> I'm just remembering this. I'm sitting there playing, and I don't know what the deal was if I wasn't playing it the way he wanted it or if I was zoning out. I honestly don't know. I still, to this day, because I've never talked to him about it, I don't know what my problem was or what I did wrong. But he's ministering to people, and I'm on the keyboard. And I think it's basically just me at that point. I'm, I'm playing the keys, and he asked me to play a specific song. I'm playing it to the best of my ability. I don't even know. I thought I was playing it anyway. I'm sitting there playing it. And he's going down the line at the altar, laying hands on people and turns around to me and points at me. He goes, stop playing. And then looks up at the sound man and goes, put on a Terry McCalman CD. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I just like slowly took steps back from, from the keyboard. <laughs> it's like, okay, got the message. And that was subtle. Thank you, brother. But you know, I've been rebuked by the best of the best. So, you know, I learned search. Let me just say this to you. Search for the flow and follow the anointing. Search for the flow and follow the anointing. And, and here's another tip. Stay in tune with what the minister's doing. Stay in tune with what them. Don't let your mind. This is easy for Trust me. I know this and I've been through it. I've seen others do it. It is easy for musicians 
to wander off in their mind while they're sitting there just playing while ministry is going on in the service. Well, not during the preaching. I'm talking about during the ministry time if your church even does that anymore. So few churches have ministry time. But if you've got somebody ministering, they're calling people out or they're praying for people, prophesying to people, don't zone out and just kind of play whatever. Stay in tune with what the minister is doing. And listen, before you even get called back up to the platform, if you've been dismissed down from the platform to the to the seats, before you go back up, as he's preaching, as he's ministering, be praying in the spirit under your breath. Obviously, you're not disrupting the service. Be praying in the spirit that the Lord will show you what song or songs that he wants at the end during the ministry time. Don't disconnect like so many guys do. It it ticks me off. Like, I'm not kidding. It ticks me off. I've never been this guy, but but I've I've seen it so often. It's like people think once their worship job is done, they're done at church. Listen, if you're listening to this and you're a musician, if you're listening to this and you're a singer or you're the music director and you think that you know, your ministry is done. When you sing your last song, get dismissed from the platform, you go back. Some of them don't, you know, I know many of them and I've seen this. They'll just go stand in the lobby and talk until the service. It's time for them to come back onto the platform. They'll just go outside or go stand in the lobby or go behind the platform or whatever, you know, to the green room or whatever they do. I've seen guys, all they do, they go back and they'll get on their cell phone or they're on their cell phone through the whole service. They're playing games or whatever until they get called back. It's like, what are you even doing? What are you even doing? What a waste of time. Stay connected to the anointing. Stay connected. See, that's the difference between someone that just does a job or performs something rather than stays in the anointing and actually ministers. Because you have to minister. Anybody, I could call, you know, five studio guys in and give them the music and say, hey, here's the gig for today. Play these five songs. They'll play them phenomenally, but they won't minister to you. They're not ministering to you. They're just performing what, what music we've given them to perform. As the preaching is happening, be praying in the spirit that the Lord will give you the song he wants at the end and then stay in the flow. Stay in the flow. One of the biggest things that musicians and 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 music teams have a hard time feeling especially in this generation cuz ministry and I don't think it's necessarily their fault I think it's the fault of leadership that there's been so much ministry time taken out of churches because of time restraints today that we don't have altar ministry like we did when I was growing up many churches have removed altar ministry time at the end where like the pastor prays for people or the gifts of the spirit are in operation and that's coming back in Jesus name to this nation but you know I don't blame necessarily the teams I I blame leaders for not having this kind of stuff happen in their services so the teams aren't used to doing it because they've never had to do it but teams are are not very good in this generation at sensing what where the service is at in terms of worship versus praise as I'm talking about the, at the end of a service, they're not very good at sensing, you know, are we in a breakthrough moment where it need where breakthrough praise is needed, where we need to take it up to another level or are we, are we at a moment where, you know, worship and pressing in and the anointing is needed. And, you know, it's a consecration moment or, you know, they're just oblivious. It's like, um, what songs do we have charts for? What songs can we do if he calls us up again? It's like, literally, is that how shallow your team is that you have to like ask yourselves like, what, we did these five songs. What's a sixth song we all have a chart for? It's like, if that's where you're at, you've got some serious work to do to be used by the Lord. Learn how to flow in the Holy Ghost. Be sensitive to the spirit. Know what the Lord wants. And learn how to flow. That's why being being able to train your ear is so important. You know, one of the biggest mistakes you could make, and I'll just speak from the avenue of being a keyboard player, is you know when I when I was uh, younger, one of the things I'm glad that I did is, is learned how to play in as many keys as possible. Or if I learned a cool new chord progression from somebody, 
I would learn how to do that progression of those changes. I would learn them in every key, all 12 keys, and learn how to do that. Um, because, you know, I wanted to be able to do that cool change in every key. And, you know, I knew a lot, I know a lot of, um, keyboard players that they would just transpose their keyboard. You know, they push the little transpose button because they can only play in a few keys. They can play in C, they can play in, you know, C sharp, they can play in A flat, but you ask a keyboard player to play in B or, you know, play in E or, you know, play, play in, you know, D or A or, you know, guitar keys as they're known. And they clam up, man. They can't do this stuff. They can't do the gospel stuff. They can't, you know, and I'm not the best keyboard player in the world, but one of the things I tried to do was make myself learn in every key so that I could be effective. Cause let me tell you something, you slide it onto an organ and there is no transpose button. You go onto a grand piano, there is no transpose button. You be, you better be able to play where you're at. Uh, guitar players, you know, have the ability to throw a capo on to their guitar. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not condemning you if you transpose or use a, a capo, but I'm saying push your gift to go further. Develop your gift and constantly, constantly be developing your gift so that you can do whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to do in the moment. So number one, train your ear instead of learning songs. Don't try, number two, to be somebody that you're not somebody that you admire, be genuine, be who God created you to be, and finally be sensitive to what the Spirit is doing currently in the service. Listen, when the Bible, when Paul gives the command to, to not quench the Holy Spirit, I believe one of the things that we can do is that we can impress our plans on the Lord instead of allowing his plans to be carried out. You know, if I do two songs and then I feel the Lord telling me to do another song and then I just press on to like whatever I had planned next, I'm quenching the Holy Spirit in that moment. I'm quenching the Spirit of God because he's telling me to do something else. And I'm like, well, I haven't practiced that. So I'm just going to go on to do what I have planned. That's why the prophet Isaiah wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 55. And he says, you know, a question from God and, and, and basically Let's God's people know this as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways and my thoughts higher than your ways and your thoughts. And God tells them very plainly through the prophet. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. And so he's encouraging us, you know, get in touch, get in tune with his thoughts and his plans And don't try to override his thoughts and his plans with your thoughts and your plans. Because the breakthrough is in doing what God wants to do, being led by the Spirit. That is the number one thing I wish worshipers would learn more than ever. Be led by the Spirit. Who cares? Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully before we end this episode. Who cares if there's not a backing track for it? Who cares if you don't have stems for it? Who, who cares if you don't have a percussion track for it? Who cares if all your other instrumentalists don't know it? Just put your hand back and say, stop playing. I've got to do this right now. And step out, whether it's on your guitar, you know, on your, uh, on your piano, on your guitar, on your ukulele, whatever you lead from. And do it by yourself. Do it solo if you have to. I've done that so many times. And I would rather do that and have the payoff of the anointing flooding the room and being activated like never before than to just drone on to my next planned thing. And um, that's why I'm so thankful to have the guys that I have that play with me because they'll know. If you asked any one of them, if you asked John, Tim, or Brad, or Carlos, they, they could tell you that I'll, I may do a list at the beginning and say, hey, here's the deal, but they know about halfway through the first song, we're not going to be doing this list. And most of them know it's pointless for me to give a list anyway because we almost never stick to it. And when I say almost never, I'm talking about 99.9% of the time we do other stuff because we just want to be led by the Spirit. We want to hit the flow. And I know once we've hit the flow, because I'll have John Grimsley scream so loud on the platform that the first time he did it, I about jumped out of my shoes and ran around the church. It scared me so bad. I've never heard somebody scream over a sound system that loud in my entire life. He has a scream 
that's from like a 1930s horror movie. I've never heard a man scream at that level. But anyway, I'll know it. You know, I can look around, I can see my guys, I can look at my I can look at my team and just know we're right there. You can feel it, you can feel that you're in the flow, you know by the anointing and the manifestation of the anointing that you've hit it, that you're where the Holy Spirit wants you to be. That's the best feeling in the world. And I wanted to give you these things because I know there's many of you listening to this podcast because you have a desire to go to a higher level. And I believe you are. I'm going to pray for every one of you now before we close and ask God to give you a hunger and a desire to keep moving forward and doing what he's called you to do at greater levels every single week. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's listening to this. Lord, I pray, number one, that you would give them a supernatural ability to train their ear for worship and praise like never before. Let them hear things that they've never heard and have a recognition of patterns, progressions, harmonies, melodies like they've never had in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, don't ever let us get caught up in the trap of comparison, trying to cause ourselves to be who we're not, be who somebody else is. And finally, Lord, don't, don't ever let us override your plans. Give us a sensitivity to your spirit like we've never had. Let us hear your voice clearly in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Listen, I want to hear from you guys. Talk to me. Send me some messages. You can send me a message on Instagram. My username is at Ted Shuttlesworth. If you want to send it to me on Twitter, at T Shuttlesworth. Um, If you'd like to send me an email directly, send it to Ted at MiracleWord.com. I want to hear about some of your experiences. I want to hear any questions you might have about worship, praise. I love hearing from you guys. I'll talk to you again next week. Don't forget until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I love you. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. Miracle